what is off the groove? It means you've blown the line or you're pushing the limits a little bit too far or just maybe you might be looking for a faster way around the racetrack. Off the Groove with Scotty Dubler. Hey, Scotty, how many days until Daytona? Hey, Carter. According to my little app on my phone, 118 days. 118 days till Daytona. Are you ready? I'm ready right now. I hate the off-season. You hate the off-season? Oh, those are strong words. You hate Man, the off-season. Listen, listen. I You don't I like. You don't relax. I, I don't relax. I don't yeah. sit still very good. I like being at a racetrack. That's why I'm doing an arena cross this weekend yeah. in Albany, New York. Albany. However you say it. No, it's Albany. I always get right. it. I just, Albany? Yeah, Albany, I believe. All right. Yeah. Right. So there's a lot going on in the flat track world. You're not at the track. There. Is that what bothers you? That's yeah. I gotta be at the races. Gotta be uh, smelling the dirt and and feeling the motors running and and all that stuff and getting to see all my friends. I mean, you know, there has been a lot of news lately. I, I like that the news is coming sooner now than it ever has before. Yeah. I mean, you know, like last week on our on our show, we talked about Corey Texter and the G&G Yamaha. Yep, that was news. And, then, and now Estenson Racing is already telling us who's on their team. Jake Johnson's coming back, J.D. Beach coming over from Lat Track, and Colby Carlisle moving up to the AFT Twins class. And they also have two solid singles riders. They've got Ryan Wells, who's a proven rider. Yep. And Dallas Daniels will be 16, and he'll be moving up to the AFT singles class right before Lima. So I love that the news is coming out sooner than ever before. And they're going to be riding all Yamahas? Yamahas yeah. in both classes. And that was the biggest surprise to me about the announcement. You know, the rumors were out that J.D. was going to be riding flat track because the team he won the championship for in road race closed the doors so there's been rumors so i'm glad the rumors are now done we don't have to wonder anymore but the biggest thing like i said to me was they're riding yamahas the whole year they yeah. have indians they're parking the indians to ride yamahas yeah. and i love it yeah there's a lot of positive feedback about jd coming and racing a full season that's going to be great for for flat track and for jd i mean to come back and race that along is he racing a whole moto america season as well is there not any conflicts there there's a few conflicts. I know okay. there's about four, I believe, but I think when he crosses that path, when he figures out which championship he's in the lead for yep. or or what he's doing in road race, that may determine where he's going for the next weekend. You know, I don't know. I mean, he says he's never raced a full flat track season, so yep. I would love to see him run all 18 rounds. We'll have to wait and see. No, he, he uh, impressed me jumping on a couple different bikes. You know, he did well in Daytona. He, he finished pretty well in the races that he competed in in 2018. So is there any that are run on the same weekend? Is there any chance that he might race both in one weekend? Is that a possibility? I, I know some people were talking about it on the Internet. Yeah. I think I, I think Daytona you can run, you know, the Grand National on Thursday night and then road race on Saturday or Sunday. But that's not a Moto America race. Yeah. But he could he could possibly do that i'll have to look and see if there's any other dates where maybe he can run some flat track on saturday night and road race on sunday yeah but you know the road the road races are two-day events so you, you got two rounds a saturday round and a sunday round so maybe maybe there's some that he could do both yeah that'll be great and then it'll be interesting to see what colby carlisle can do in the twins class that's it's a big step carter i mean yeah. moving up from the aft singles he's won the championship there before he won some races there this year which was awesome to see um, he really looked good on the miles, so we'll see what he does in the AFT Twins class. Um, another thing that came out this past week, and speaking of twins, is the production twins are going to run 11 rounds, and they'll be racing for their own championship. So there's not a lot of information out there yet on the production twins class, but 
uh, you know, 11 rounds racing their own championship. They're racing the production twins on all the half miles and miles. Yeah, and I'm sure there's still a lot of details to be sorted out and stuff that they still want to kind of dot their I's and cross their T's on. But it's good to know that there will be a separate championship, you know, a whole series there, another series that, and it's a good in between, you know, between the singles and the twins. I've always said it's, it's kind of tough to see some of these single riders jump up to twins because it's such a big jump. So it's good to have that little step in between. A little step. Yeah, it's a little stepping stone right there. And I think it's great for these riders that are coming up. I think it's great also for some riders that maybe aren't making it in the AFT twins class that maybe their twin is fast, but maybe they don't feel it's fast enough to run with the big boys. And I, I can see other teams racing in the in the production twins class just, just to go for a championship. Why not? Speaking of changes, there's a lot of changes on the AFT side as well. And those are early. Those are being announced earlier than usual, right? Yeah, the AFT's putting out a lot of press releases, making some changes, bringing some people in from NASCAR, from some other racing uh, entities, and putting them in some some new spots there for American Flat Track. Yeah, the sheriff from NASCAR is going to be coming over. It'll be interesting to see what he does on the board. And a new chief competitions officer who came from Formula Drift. Yeah. Uh, a, a pretty cool series. He's got good relations with NBC, so I'm sure he knows how to you know make the format better for tv maybe he's got some new ideas and and we'll have to wait and see uh what we don't know is where chris carr's going yeah they didn't really say what he's going to be what role he's going to be filling not yet i I think that'll come out a little bit later on maybe we can give him a call and and check in with chris and and see what he thinks but you know i'm not a full-time american flat track employee i'm just a contract guy I, I know a lot of details, Carter, but I'm I don't work for AFT. I'm I'm I, I'm a contract employee. Yeah. I get paid to announce each race. I, I don't you, work for AFT. Another thing, dude, had to message you last week because I just found out. And I don't even know if it's real. Is there a super prestigio this year? I saw I think somebody's Instagram account. I think it might have even been JD Beaches here. I think he said, bum that there's no super prestigio. So, so there's no as far super as prestigio. I'm no, yeah, as far as I know, it's postponed this year. You haven't booked your flight yet, have you? No, I, I was waiting to see exactly when it was before I booked my flight. I, I heard it was around December 15th, but now I'm, I'm hearing it's it's canceled for this year. Canceled or postponed? We don't know. Well, I'll say postponed because I think that's what I saw. But, you know, to me, they're almost the same thing. But postponed means that possibly it'll be later on. Well, it usually so happens in December, year. right? Yes. The reason the reason of that is because there's riders from all dis- different disciplines of motorcycle racing, and that is when we're they are free to race at an indoor flat track is you know during an off season. Well, I would think if there is going to be one this year, we should probably know some details in the next week or so. If not, then maybe next year. Then, then we'll have to assume that next year. And the rumor was it was moving over to Paris, France. Yeah. It had been in Barcelona for a few years, and I think they were just going to try something new, spark some interest, but maybe laying off a year will drive even more interest for next year we'll see well we will see so uh what else is going on this week arena cross and cold new york and uh get ready for turkey day getting ready for turkey day what are you doing for turkey day i have no plans you're gonna eat some turkey i'm not a fan of turkey you're not a fan of turkey it's too dry what do you eat then whatever restaurants open yeah i don't know we'll have to wait and see i got you i don't really have any crazy plans for turkey day either but I know I'll be eating a lot. I can tell you that. You said you had a, an idea for this week's guest. I got an idea. I bet it got lonely. No, it didn't. Let's talk to our number one listener. Matthew Gunther. Matthew Gunther. I think yeah. we ought to call him up. We should do it. He's always uh, he's sending us a couple notes talking about how he loves the show. He said he listens to every single one. 
I don't even listen to every single one. I don't. Well, I ha- I do because I edit them, so I can't say that I haven't. But I go back and listen to a few of them. There's there's some that are really good to me I, that I like listening to. Yeah. Well, let's. Which one do you think he'll will be his favorite if you had to guess? Well, of course, the one that you interviewed me. No, you think that your episode's his favorite? <laughs> we'll see. I no, think you should probably no, ask him that. Do that in the rapid fire or something. Ask him who his favorite episode is? Yeah, yeah. All right. And well, Let's call him. You want to call him? What? You want me to call him? I will call him right now. Hello? Matthew Gunther, is that you? Yes, this is me, Scotty. How's it going? It is number 61 in the AFT singles class, Matthew Gunther. Hey, I uh, just wanted to catch up with you. I appreciate uh, you taking the time. I haven't seen you for a little while. What's been going on? Oh, you know, work, um, just doing all the daily stuff, going to work, uh, working out a little bit here and there, working on bikes and just trying to get everything sorted out for 2019. Is that your favorite word, work? I think you just said it five times. I mean, that's all we do around here is work, work, work. Got to learn how to make some money to go racing, you know. Don't want to put it all on the parents. I got you. So where are you working? I work at Whitman Motorcycle Services up in uh, St. Louis, Missouri. They used to be uh, flat trackers. So, you know, it was a really big thing to let them have me come on board and then work with my schedule a lot. Wow. I did not know that. They actually used to sponsor me when I rode in the 883 class. Uh, I rode for Whitman Harley-Davidson. Jim Wagner was the mechanic back there, and he actually owned a couple of the 883s. And, man, that's 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 pretty cool. I didn't know we were related that close. Yeah, they're pretty cool guys up there. I mean, so they have a dyno, and then uh, I'm a technician up there. So I basically, basically get to go uh, around and do my own thing all day, and then at the end of the workday, get to dyno my stuff and have all that kind of stuff for free. So you work there when, during race season two or just in the off season? Yeah, I started actually working there right around uh, Sturgis time, like right uh, after we came back, I guess it was from New York, they hired me and then it kind of just, uh, spiraled into me working there full time. So I go there on Tuesdays and the last day of work is Saturday. No work on Mondays, no work on Sundays. Right on. So it's 118 days until the Daytona TT. Are you ready? Uh, you know, we're trying to get ready, uh, trying to send motors off, trying to talk to people about, you know, maybe riding their stuff, just trying to get different sponsors here and there and trying to see, uh, if we can have a better program going into 2019 and try to get some wins and maybe some podiums and just definitely some better finishes from what we had this year. Right on. There's been some huge announcements in this past week, especially like Estenson racing, you know, calling their shots already and, and, you know, saying they're gonna have three AFT twins riders and two singles riders. Uh, you know, Corey Texter had his announcement last week about the production twins class. Um, what do you think about the press releases coming out this early? It's not even Thanksgiving yet. Uh, I personally like it. Um, I like to see what's going on. Usually I make my predictions right around Thanksgiving about who's going where. And now that I, we're knowing who's going where, then I don't even have to make my prediction. So it's kind of cool seeing, you know, Corey riding some Yamahas. I'm a big Yamaha guy myself. I've rode Yamaha since I was on a 125. I, there was only one year I wasn't on a Yamaha, and uh, that was my year I was on 55. So from 50s on, except for the 60s, uh, I rode uh, Yamahas. I'm a Yamaha boy heart. All right. That's pretty cool. I like making predictions, too. I I, I had to do some power rankings uh, for Next Moto Champion, and, man, that was hard to do. They wanted me to pick the top 10 of the point settings for the next year, and they asked me that so early. I had no idea, you know, who anybody was riding for, so it's very hard to do, but 
I like trying to figure out where everybody's going to. And I like the, the announcements are coming earlier and earlier. So uh, let's get to know Matthew Gunther. So where were you born? I was actually born in Belleville, Illinois, where, uh, you know, the famous BET is located. So uh, I was born there, which is about 30 minutes from where I live now. Okay. So how long did you live there? Um, I never lived in Belleville. I was just born there. Uh, I actually grew up in Collinsville, Illinois, which is where okay. Colesville is. And then when I was around six years old, I moved to St. Jacob, Illinois, where I reside now. Okay. So, and that's right. You said you work in St. Louis, so I'm assuming it's somewhere near St. Louis? Uh, 35 minutes from uh, okay. my house, exactly. All right. So what's it like, like growing up around St. Louis? Um, you know, it's cool where I live because I live in the country. I live in the middle of nowhere. I don't have a neighbor for over two miles. So, you know, I get that aspect of everything. And then you got small city living right next to me in Troy, Illinois. Um, you know, you got your places to go eat. You got, you know, truck stops. You got uh, right off 55. So I'm right in the middle of everything. And, you know, I'm exactly an hour and 30 minutes away from Springfield and Coin. So being right dead center of that kind of stuff is pretty cool as well. That's cool. There's a lot of racing in Illinois, so it seems like it worked out pretty good for you. So how did you get into motorcycles? So my cousins actually rode motorcycles and quads when I was younger. And my mom used to take me over to my cousin's house all the time, and I still go over there to this day. Uh, um, sadly, I'm not in race anymore, um, but I'm the only one in my family that races right now. I used to go over there and ride their quads and their motorcycles and stuff like that. And once I met my stepdad, or as you guys know him as, Buddy, the man with the mullet, um, as soon as I met him, he always worked on motorcycles. He's always been a mechanic and stuff like that. So I asked him when I was six years old, when he met my mom, I said, hey, can I ride that? And he said, nope, but we can get you one. And when I came home from school one day, there it was sitting uh, right by the computer chair. It was a TTR 50, and I've never looked back since. Right on. So when did you decide you wanted to race? I mean, you said you got the motorcycle, had the bug. So when did you decide you wanted to race it? Well, my cousins were going racing all the time and I was like, I want to go racing. And they told me I really wasn't ready for that yet. Um, but I went, we saw that there was a little local race, um, in about a month or two, they got me on the bike and we headed up to Richwoods, Missouri. And there was a little TT race and I actually got second in that race. Uh, there was only two people. So I think I, uh, did pretty well for getting last place in my first race. And then the second day coming back and actually beating her, which it was a girl. So I did get beat by a girl in my first race, but it was actually pretty fun. And I've been racing ever since that day. So how old were you when that happened? I was actually seven because it was a couple of days after my birthday. So, wow, that's cool. So what's your favorite racing memory so far? Um, I would have to say my favorite racing memory so far was after I recovered from breaking my wrist, I was still in a wrist brace and my doctor told me not to race. And I went down to Carson Park in Kentucky and it was pretty cool going down there. Uh, first time I ever been there was on that 450, uh, brand new 450 off the showroom floor, never even been rode before. Uh, and, you know, just put tires and wheels on it and suspension and we went racing. I ended up winning the race and the dash for cash. And, you know, being right off the broken wrist and stuff, it was just a big confidence booster coming back from everything. That's pretty cool. When was that? Do you remember what year it was? Um, it was my first year riding a 450. So it would have to be 2016. Okay. What was it about motorcycle racing that appealed to you? Um, I like watching the guys when I'd go with my cousins. Um, so when I was growing up, 
uh, going to BET just with my cousins and watching. It was more so, you know, Jeff Carver and John Goodwin battling it out. Um, John Goodwin was a pro sport rider and an expert rider for a couple of years. And just watching them guys ride on them dirt track bikes was super cool, but I never got to ride a dirt track bike until I was 13 years old. So I rode knobbies all the way up until then and, you know, full motocross setup bikes. So, you know, it was difficult transition for me. Um, but man, just watching them guys slide around the corners and get up by the wall, get all high, wide and handsome, you know, it's just, I mean, super cool to watch and like nothing you've ever seen before. And, you know, once I got to go to the Springfield mile for my first time, man, was it cool. It was the, you know, two day race that they had. I don't remember uh, what year it was, but it was when uh, Brandon Robinson won. So it was pretty cool getting to see them guys and, you know, JD beach always coming down to do coin and getting to watch him. It was pretty cool to see him on the podium as well. So you, you, you were on knobbies most of the time. And then, you know, when you switched to a flat track tire, that's a big change. So when you had the knobbies on, did you ride anything else besides flat track? Did you try any motocross? Um, actually we never rode actual flat track. Um, well actually we did, it was on our schedule two times. Um, so we rode BET and my generation, you know, we always heard about riding the dirt track tires there, but we all rode knobbies and we never knew anything different except for Jeff and John. And then Blake Steinwagner, who is a uh, GMC2 rider or AFT singles rider now, um, he rode on the dirt track tires as well. So getting to see all that kind of stuff was pretty cool. And uh, then we'd go down to Belclaire Speedway, which is in Belleville as well. And we'd ride the Bull stock car track. And when we'd go down there, my stepdad, Keith, would tell me, hey, man, go to the high side and get in the marbles and just try to stay high and don't get down on the groove or you're going to slide out. So it was pretty cool getting to see that kind of stuff. But when I turned 13 and got all my dirt track tires, man, was it a blast. It feels like you're going a hundred miles an hour faster when you put on flat track tires, doesn't it? Oh, it's so much different. You know, uh, my first flat track bike was a YZ125. I went down to Kentucky and me and my stepdad picked it up and we just threw some dirt track tires on it and some uh, suspension that actually he never even wanted to go dirt track racing. I told him that I wanted to go dirt track racing. And he said, Hey man, if you buy the stuff and you find everything that we need, uh, you can go dirt track racing. So, uh, my dad was always a big eBay guy. And I told him, I'm like, Hey man, uh, this is suspensions on there. And then I'll have my stepdad take it up to, uh, the suspension guys and have it all set up and stuff. And I paid for it. And then the wheels, uh, I found in Springfield, Illinois, one guy said he bought a YZ 400, and he's like, I don't really need dirt track wheels. I said, well, I'll buy them off you. Went up there with my dad, and we met him at a Cracker Barrel and bought some wheels. I set this bike up and a little uh, go-kart truck called Bedrock and started riding in the rest of the history, man. And that's that's pretty cool that, you know, he wanted to make sure that you really want to do it. And, and uh, you know, Buddy supported you. And it sounds like your dad supported you also as, as long as – that's what you want to do. And you prove to them that's what you want to do. So I, I like that, man. That's a pretty cool story. So before you went pro or maybe sometime when you're a pro, uh, one of your favorite races was the Donnie Bargeman Memorial race. Can you talk us through that one? Yeah. So right before I went pro, um, the, I guess it was the week or the two weeks before my first pro race, um, I put my yellow plates on and I told my parents I wanted to go up to Pekin and actually try to make the pro main and up at Pekin, and so I got in the heat race, and my people I saw were Itchy Bickerton and uh, Kyle Johnson, and I was winning the race the whole time. I got the full shot, and man, I had a couple bike lengths on him, and you know, that pro pressure gets to you sometimes, 
and he came up and he was smarter than me on the last lap and you know me being uh, uh professional about it and me not knowing you know just being young and he got right under me right at the line and uh, i had to go to the semi but still ended up making the main and uh came from the third road end up uh fifth and battled with brad baker the whole time and it was just such a fun race that's pretty cool. So you turned 16 about halfway through the 2017 season, right before we go up to uh, Buffalo Chip and, and Sturgis, you know, the Sturgis rallying races and stuff like that. How hard is it to transition into the pro class? Well, actually, I was 17 at that time. I'm a late bloomer, Scotty. Okay, um, well, I, I, I thought you turned at the time. <laughs> I thought you turned 16 and then went pro. I didn't know you waited a little bit. No, I've uh, actually, when I was 16 was the first time I got on the 450. Um, so when I was 17 is when I went pro, uh, ran the amateur grand national championships, uh, had a little luck here and there, a lot of fourth places, um, a lot of fourth places to be exact. Um, but a couple thirds, uh, second here and there, never really got any super good luck at the grand nationals. Um, so transitioning into pro um i liked the media i liked the professionality of everything i liked the way the pits are set up um just you know the pressure is a little bit different um coming into a race and right off the bat having to know the track and you know you're it, it means something in practice now it's not just like hey you know go out and feel the track out practice actually means something now so going into that and then you know sometimes even qualifying good and then even not making the mains it's just frustrating sometimes but you know we'll figure it out it's only our really our first full year so uh going into next year i think we're really ready for what people have to throw at us so in 2017 what were some of your biggest challenges you said you know like practice and qualifying meant something and and you know practicing and racing with these guys and you only get a few laps of practice which is qualifying so what are some of the other big challenges when you go to a national well uh, me and my stepdad aren't really good at suspension so I've never seen so many people change suspension all the time at a racetrack. You know, when we'd go amateur racing, you'd go ride, you'd change some gearing, maybe some tire pressures, you know, the height of your forks. And then you went racing. I've never seen so many, uh, so many small changes made at a track at one time until I went pro. And we never knew anything like that. Uh, when I started out, I had one sprocket and I had the same tires that were on there the whole season and still ended up winning races and stuff like that, you know, you go into the pro stuff and now you had to have five tires. You had to have three stacks of sprockets and you have to have, you know, different springs for your suspension. It's just totally different. Uh, I like the way um, that you learn things from that, but uh, we're still learning and we're still trying to grow as a team and maybe even find somebody this year to help us out and uh, get us that information and better us. So are there other racers that you can ask for, for advice or help when you're at a racetrack? I mean, do you rely on somebody like that? Or do you, do you ask anybody any questions? Cause I know when I raced, you know, if I had a friend that was maybe from Oklahoma or nearby and he'd been racing longer than I, I, I was, I could go ask him, you know, where, where are you starting on your gearing or something like that? Is there anybody that you have that you can rely on? Well, um, all the time, Jeff Carver always tells me, man, just come over to him if I have any questions. Um, he's always been a big help to me ever since I was uh, started first dirt track racing. He saw me on the 125 and he told my stepdad, man, that he <clears> always <throat> loves the 125s coming out and getting it done. And I rode actually the 250 class when I did that, and I still end up winning all the time. So it was pretty cool um, that he came along and told me uh, that he was really digging my program even before we really knew each other, and I was still really young. But, uh, you know, Jeff helps me out a lot all the time. 
I go riding with him sometimes. Uh, last year, me and him rode ice for my first time. It's just super cool having him always around and being able to go up to ride organic or somewhere else to ride motocross or even the woods with him. And then we also have Dawson Schieffer and his family. Uh, they help us out a lot, um, and we help them out a lot. It's just a little mutual friendship that we have. It's just like another little family. Um, his dad's a good mechanic as well as so is Keith. So things that one doesn't know, the next might know, and it's just cool to have two friends that really get along and can still be competitive. And both both of you two ride Yamahas too. That's got to help too, right? Oh, for sure. Yeah, we have, you know, parts that are interchangeable. And, you know, I've actually rode his bike in a couple races um, in the past. When we went to Paris, um, we told them we weren't going to be racing at Paris because, you know, we didn't really want to drive to California. It was our first year, and we were just going to end the season. But uh, Terry Reimer came along and helped us out a little bit. Uh, we flew out to Las Vegas, and then we drove on into Paris, California. And I'm so excited to be back there this year and maybe get some redemption. Absolutely. So you, you made the last two main events in 2017 at Texas and Paris, just like you mentioned. Were you happy with your results in 2017? Um, I was a little sad, um, not, to be honest with you. Uh, I came into Buffalo Chip, and I was doing actually really good. And I was in the last transfer spot, and I looked up at the Jumbotron and saw my name sitting there in whatever place you had to be in, and I was just cruising along and come over to the last corner and all I hear is somebody behind me never let off. And it, here comes Tanner Dean barreling in on the inside, put me to the bales and took that last transfer spot away from me. And I was pretty upset. And man, then we came to the Sturgis race, the last Sturgis race. And I was just, I've never had any good luck there. Uh, every time I go there, my setup's off. I don't, my head's not in the right place. There's just something about that track that just gets me every time. Right on. So that's a pretty big stage to, to go pro on. Why did you pick Buffalo Chip? Well, I'm a TT guy at heart. Um, the TTs haven't really showed for me uh, in r pro racing so far. I love TTs. I love riding TTs. I don't feel like I'm a bad jumper and I can go right. But, uh, you know, this pro these pro TTs haven't really panned out for me the way I thought they would. You know, went to Peoria this year, had a pretty bad wreck. Um, into Springfield and, you know, somebody went down in front of me and I hit them and was still one off the transfer spot. Uh, Buffalo chip this year got T-boned in the first corner and was out of the main or out of even the semi. Um, but man, it's just, you know, tough pickings at these TTs when everybody gets so close and, you know, it's just very tough. In, in 2017, what was something you were worried about that ended up being as difficult as you thought it would be? Um, you know, battling with all these big name guys, um, you know, what my parents always told me is they're just another racer like you are. It's just because their name is big and they have a bunch of fans doesn't mean they're always going to be tough to beat. One day you will be that big and you just got to keep pushing and keep striving. So, you know, it was, uh, it was difficult at first, but, uh, at the, in the end, uh, in the end, these guys really are the same as you are. They have the same kind of work ethic that you do and you just got to push yourself like they do every single day right on well, let's transition into the 2018 season talk about you and your team and your sponsors and stuff like that who helps you get to the races and supported you all year yeah so a lot of it's out of my parents pocket but um you know we got a couple guys that help us out a lot you know vans motorsports up in sparta illinois uh they used to be a big part of jeffrey's program and now they're part of mine and blake steinwagner's program uh we have that Vita Coco sponsor, you know, it's coconut water. It's very good. Um, 
they help us out, you know, financially. Um, Core Hydration actually gets us to every single race. Uh, they paid for every single one of my entry fees this year, which I could not be more happy about, you know, being able to say, hey, I can race every single race this year if we can get to them. And then we also have another financial supporter, which would be Barrel Brands. Um, it's a local beard, beard oil, beard and hair oil company. Um, so they're a pretty cool uh, group of people that help me out and have always wanted to help me out, even when I was amateur. So those are mostly my financial sponsors, but uh, we have a lot of other people that help us along the way. Right on. You know, you know, making a se- making a full season is a challenge just in itself. You know, the results, I think, Matthew, are going to come if, as long as you keep pushing hard and, and working as hard as you do. Yeah, I mean, I know those results are going to come. And, man, I've qualified very good a lot of times this season. We came into Daytona um you know ready to go and it just didn't work out the way we wanted it to this whole year has been very tough for us we have been one off two off the spot every single time it just hasn't planned out for us um you know daytona i was ready to go it's a tt that i've never been to before and i picked my stock bike to ride and you know with that big long straightaway i just couldn't qualify well enough to do anything so we got into the next round which was atlanta and we were riding good all day, and then I was almost in that big wreck when uh, Jake Lewis went straight to the wall, and, man, it was just tough all day there. It was couldn't get any traction. You know, the bike was working decent, had good power under it and everything, but, man, it's just been tough all season. Every single round has been like that for us. You know, we don't know enough to keep it going throughout the whole day. We do good in the heat races. We do good, you know, in the qualifying. It's just when that final time comes – there's always something that gets us. Um, I know that the results can come, and I know that we can do well, but we just need a little bit of more help. Uh, either you know somebody help us tune the bikes, or maybe somebody that has some bikes or that are ready to go, and maybe let me ride them or something. Just to see what's uh, what I can do on some very good tried and true equipment. Sounds good. Let's talk about Springfield just a little bit because at the Springfield Mile. You got to run the production, you know, twins class, and it's going to be a class for next year. You actually had a fifth place finish in May and a seventh in the fall. And if I remember right, you're riding the uh, one of Kevin Stallings' bikes. Is that right? Yeah. So me and Kevin have been really good friends ever since I started uh, racing at the indoors in Ducoin. So when it came along, when he said he was going to ride the Indian Scout FTR 750 at the in the expert class, I said, Hey, man, can I ride your bike? Um, and he told me, yeah, get on it. And they were really cool and helpful about getting the bike set up for me. Um, he's a little bit lighter than I am. So I've always had suspension issues on it. Other than that, man, it was just such a blast. Uh, I'm super pumped to see that the production twins class is coming back and maybe I can even try to get on the twins down in Springfield again. So I think it's really cool that we have a, actually a third class. It kind of reminds me of novice, uh, junior and expert. So it's just cool to see that there's three classes now, and actually it's three championship classes now. Yeah, I think it, it it's it's a stepping stone for you know the ride the riders in the singles class to not have to make that full transition all the way up to the AFT twins class. So I like that the class is there as well. Other highlights that kind of stick out to me. It's not really a highlight for you, maybe as much, but Peoria, you went down. You talked about it a little bit earlier. Um, you crashed going up to the jump. So what were what were your injuries? I, I I mean, I went and saw you at the hospital, and and you were in good spirits. So how how badly were you hurt? Um, so they thought I might have had a concussion, but uh, turns out I didn't. Um, my shoulder was a little banged up. I think it was on the right side, and then my left knee is uh, still a little messed up. But uh, 
you know, it's just stiff here and there, but, uh, you know, coming out to the cold, it's obviously going to be really stiff, but you know, I'm in good spirits and I was in good spirits the whole time. I was knocked out, but, um, man, it was, it was just tough to watch that crash over and over and over again and get back on that bike, but we did it. And I would never want to do anything different, but race motorcycles. How hard is it to get on the bike after you get bucked off like that? You know, it's kind of like a push. Um, it kind of pushes you to do better. Um, people saw you go down and they really want you to do good and they really want you to come back for it. And once I was ready to come back, I came back and that was the next round at Springfield. And man, I, I don't think I was physically ready, but mentally I was ready. And I don't think I should have been out on the mile. And I don't really think I should have been out on the short track bumping and banging, but I did it for my morals and I had a lot of good of fun doing it, but I know I wasn't to my 100%. Right on. Uh, you had a good race at the New York short track, uh, what was it that suited you or suited your style at that racetrack? Or did you just feel really good that day or talk about your success there? Well, I liked how that track was really wonky. Uh, everybody was coming up to me saying, you like this track? And they were, they were dogging it saying that they didn't like the shape. And man, I, I personally liked it a lot. Um, I thought, you know, when I talked to Paul, he said he liked a finesse track. I really thought that was more finesse than it was, uh, being fast and having a lot of horsepower. We don't have these big money horsepower bikes that a lot of these people do. So when it comes to more so skill and it comes to, you know, there aren't a lot of racetracks like that, then, uh, you know, you can, stri- you can show what you really have. Uh, I qualified really good that day. I had a really good heat race. It was just in the moon. I got caught behind a couple of people and couldn't make any moves, but was just glad to get out of there safe and sound and finally get to show people what I made of. Right on. Do you think you're 100% recovered? from Peoria at the end of the season, or you think you still got a little bit more left? Um, I think I'm pretty good. Uh, I've been running and riding my uh, road bicycle now, and I feel really good every time I get off. You know, I'm always a little sore on the left side, uh, even, you know, in previous times, because when you go down riding a dirt tracker, you're always going to go down on that left side unless it's the high side. So my left side's always been a little uh, wonky, but, you know, uh, I think I'm ready to go, and I think I'm really ready to go for the 2019 season, and uh, I think I'm ready to get on the podium you got any funny stories from the 2018 season? Um, not really from 2018, but I do have a really good one, really good memory with you, Scotty. Actually, from 2017, when we were down in the Oklahoma City short track, um, it was uh, in the winter, when my bike caught on fire, and you were the one with the uh, fire extinguisher putting the dang thing out. Yeah. Uh, I think that was really when I really got to know you and it was a really good, you know, memory with you, but uh, obviously it wasn't a good memory having to rebuild that bike and put all the money back into it. That, that was a fun night for sure. Cause I think there's some fisticuffs going on and it's a uh, typical indoor short track racing, right? Yeah. It was, uh, you know, a little, uh, <laughs> thing said here and there between some Illinois boys and some Oklahoma boys, but, uh, at the end of the night, everybody was cool and we all got to go home safe and sound. So, you know, it sucks that my bike caught on fire, but, you know, it was pretty cool to get to know you there and uh, have actually somebody uh, put the bike out other than the track personnel because they were just trying to throw dirt on it and it really wasn't doing anything. Right on, right on. Yeah, that was a fun night. So uh, let's talk about 2019 a little bit. Uh, you know, we're in the off season right now. You said you're working and working out a lot. Anything else you're looking forward to in the off season? Yeah, I'm looking forward to going down to Pensacola and hanging out with uh, Rob and Bobby. Um, you know, starting mid January, maybe really early January, I'm going to go down to Florida and start training and putting in that work so that we can be ready for Daytona. So I'm really looking forward to that. And I'm also looking forward to talking to more sponsors and getting my name out there. Uh, I just got a, picked up a new sponsor, uh, Forto Coffee Shops, probably a week ago. 
And, you know, I love the stuff and it's really good tasting and it's really good for you. So, um, you know, I'm really looking forward to maybe even getting somebody to help me out with the ride this year. So we'll see what goes on and hopefully, man, we can get something figured out. Okay. So you're still concentrating on riding your Yamahas right now, unless something else comes along. And what about the, the production twins class? You uh, putting the feeler out there for that class as well? Um, no, I'm actually not looking at the production twins right now. Um, I do know where two FZ 07s are from Vans Motorsports in Sparta. Uh, he's helped me out a lot, as I said earlier, but, um, you know, if we do ride the production class, it'll probably only be at Springfield. So, um, we'll see how the 2019 season plays out, but maybe <clears throat> we will ride more, maybe not. What's the, what's the biggest thing you're focused on to improve your program for 2019 and beyond? Being consistent, man. Um, you know, Colby Carlisle, when he said, uh, when he won the championships, he was Mr. Consistency. And I think that's been my issue this year. I'm not consistent with the way I arrived throughout the whole day. You know, I went to Lima and I qualified, I think it was seventh or eighth. And the next heat race, you know, I had a bad jump off the start and I rode really good and got my way through that heat race. And I got to the semi and I rode really good and I was in a transfer spot and ready to go to the main. Somebody went down and I just blanked. And, uh, you know, that really shows that my consistency was off this year with the way I need to ride throughout the whole day. I need to slow myself down, and I really need to think throughout the day rather than just ride and uh, not uh, care about what goes on. I need to really think more. Wow, I like it. Sounds like you got things figured out a little bit. So what do you do when you're not riding a motorcycle? You said you're working a lot. What else do you do? Um, so I like to hang out with my friends a lot. Um, we like to go you know, to concerts, and we like to go have some fun. And, uh, me and my buddy Austin also uh, have a – sneaker reselling uh kind of like fad that we do um you know you buy expensive sneakers and you sell them to people for an even better price and just stuff like that you know uh it's a lot of streetwear kind of stuff so that's a really big thing i like to do and then you know ride my bicycle and i also like to uh you know hang out with my family as well you know family is everything and they do everything for me to get through the season so why not do some stuff with them as well so you're a sneakerhead. i mean do you like them do you just you just buy them and sell them are you are you, you like I have a shoe fetish, and I'm not going to lie to you, but are, are you a sneakerhead? Oh, yes, sir. Um, I wear Yeezys. I wear Jordans. I wear all these kinds of expensive sneakers, but I like to sell them as well. I like to make some money. I like it. So uh, you know what's up next. It's time for Graham's question. Are you ready? Oh, yeah. Okay. She says, we know you graduated earlier this year. Are you planning on attending college? And if so, what will you study? Uh, yeah, I do plan on attending college. Um, I don't know when that will be. Um, but I do plan on attending college. I'm only a year out of high school, so I'm trying to see where this flat track thing could take me, but I will be attending college, um, maybe for some business aspects or some marketing or something like that. But I really do plan on attending colleges still. Young. All right. All right. That's good. So it's time for our rapid fire questions. Are you ready for that? Oh yeah. Favorite bike you've ever ridden. Ooh, that's a tough one. Probably the Cowie twin that I rode at Springfield Mile. Uh, riding a twin is just something different, and it's super fun. Right on. Favorite place to eat when you're on the road? Um, I'd have to say Applebee's. It's an easy one, and it's quick, and it still tastes decent. All right. Who's the funniest person in the pits? Ooh, that's tough. Max Wales' dad. Max Wales' dad. I like that. I'll have to, I'll have to get to know him a little Whale bit better. Brett is a funny – Brett Wales is Man, dude, he stayed with us in Scottsdale, Arizona, right before the Arizona Mile at a 
Airbnb that we got, and man, the dude just doesn't stop cracking one-liners. It's dude, hilarious. This is Carter. I can I can attest to that too. I met him at the finale. That dude is hilarious. I I listened to him talk for about an hour, he is and it, it was nonstop. Everything dude. was gold. It was amazing. It was awesome. All right, I just had to jump. He in. is gold. He is. He could be a comedian. Right on. What's your favorite racetrack? Um, man, that's tough. Old Savannah. Old Savannah for sure. What's What's wrong with New Savannah? I love New Savannah and it's fun, but man, nothing compares to Old Savannah. Getting to battle with that was my first time I really battled with any pro guys, and man, it was just super fun and it's super fast. Uh, the New Savannah is not as fast, but it is fast for being a short track. It's no longer a half mile, and I like clay half miles. Uh, so, you know, it's fun. I did make both of my mains down at, at the New Savannah track, um, but man, that Old Savannah, I just don't think it's comparable to anything. All right. Well, you're always going to have that memory. So uh, Thanksgiving's next week. Besides the turkey, what's one thing you can't go without on Thanksgiving? What 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 do you have to have? What do you got to eat? Macaroni and cheese. My mom's macaroni and cheese. She really doesn't make it that often, and it's usually the holidays that she makes it. So I really cannot go through Thanksgiving and eat everything without eating some of her mac and cheese. It's just really good. All right. What's one thing that you can do without on, on a Thanksgiving dinner? Turkey. You don't like turkey? No, nope, we eat ham. My family has a turkey and a ham. I always eat ham. I am not a turkey guy. I just don't like the way it tastes. Yeah, it's a little bit dry, I think. I'd, I'd rather have ham any day. So uh, you claim to be our biggest fan, our biggest listener. You've listened to every episode. Um, what, who, who's, what's been your favorite episode so far? So my favorite episode, well, just to clarify, I am the number one listener. I am the best listener. Um, I have listened to every episode, um, but the best episode by far would either have to be James Monaco or um, Sean Bear. You know, them guys are just super genuine privateers that are doing it on their own. And I just like listening to their stories because it kind of connects to me. You know, I'm doing it with my family with not a lot of help. So being able to connect with people like that is really cool and fun to listen to. Right on. Who should we have in a future episode? Bronson Bauman or Goon glass and rubber, Kevin Lambert. Okay, we've had we've had Bronson on before, but I, I do want to touch base with him. Maybe when he has some news for 2019, maybe we'll get him on here. And why does everybody want to hear from the goon? Well, have you ever watched the goons live streams on Facebook? There's I got to jump better. in again. The live streams on Facebook are epic, and I've been starting to watch every single one of them lately. Dude's hilarious. They're so good. He's good. Yeah, he's great. We're gonna have him on. It's it's only a matter of time. He is on the list. You better say. You better sing. Oh, my gosh. Oh, man, dude, we're... this singing's great. Oh, man, maybe he might be one of the funniest guys in the pits then. You have to put him up there with Max's dad. So, uh, last question. He's close. Okay. All right. Last question. Besides Bubba Blackwell, can you do any other impersonations of anyone else in the pits? <laughs> no, I cannot do any impersonations. I can hardly even do the Bubba Blackwell one anymore. Um, it was just like a thing right when I started, when we came to Sturgis. Um, it was my first race, and, you know, I kind of just saw people doing a funny voice like Bubba, and I thought I could do it better, and people grew to like it. So um, doing it the whole off offseason, uh, you know, it's just got to be practice, practice, practice. But I haven't done that impression in, you know, God knows how long. So, you know, it's it's funny that me and Bubba now get along a lot. I uh, was just on the phone with him the other day, and uh, it's cool that people can have little jokes like that and uh, still get along and be really good friends. Yeah, uh, that was that was hilarious when we did that pit walk and and we started doing that was hilarious. So I love it. 
Um, before we let you go, do you want to say thank you to anyone? Yeah, I got a couple people I'd like to say thank you to. I'd like to thank my parents for one. Um, you know, they take me to every single race and they put up with all my crap and, uh, I don't think anybody else would do it. Uh, you know, I'd like to thank the Lord above, um, you know, without him, nobody would be here. Um, you know, Vans Motorsports in Sparta, Illinois, uh, Vita Coco, Core Hydration, um, Aggressive Graphics, um, Barrel Brands, uh, Fat Boy Racing, Bill Built, Buddy Racing, uh, Honky Tonk Anchors, Garnier Boots, uh, Woody Kyle Racing, uh, Hess Machine, in Marine, Illinois, uh, Vortex Sprockets, uh, St. Jacob Car Wash, uh, been my one of my sponsors ever since I was little, so I put them on everything now. Um, Grover Web Photography, uh, Precision Plus Builders, uh, Motion Pro, Fly Racing, Recluse, and Addicted to Adrenaline. Uh, and anybody else I forgot, you know, thank you very much, and I couldn't do it without any of you guys. Sounds good. So I got one more question I just thought of. Are you, are you going to have a mullet like Buddy when you grow up? Dude, I want to grow a mullet so bad, but my mom won't let me. What, what you? You have to explain that one a little further, because Buddy's got a pretty, pretty, pretty. Uh, it's pretty badass. So how come he gets to have one, but you don't? So when I met Keith, he actually didn't have a mullet. When he started growing the mullet, you know, everybody loves it. It's been a staple at the track, you know, since I've been racing. So that's why we have koozies, and that's why we have stuff like that. And I told my mom, you know, hey, I want to, I'm gonna grow a mullet soon. I told her that, you know, about a week ago. She's like, no, you're not. You're gonna keep your hair the way it is. And every time I tried to, you know, grow a mustache, and you even made fun of my mustache when I had it at Peoria, um, you know, it just doesn't end up playing out. So I don't know if the mullet mustache look like would be my look, but you, know, you gotta love Keith for it. Absolutely, Matthew. Thank you so much for your time. Good luck in this off season, and definitely good luck in the 2019 season. Thank you, Scotty. I really appreciate it, man. Number one listener. We talked to him. Got him. Talked to him in the can. Done. It's done. It was a good interview. I I wonder what he's going to think of listening to his interview. He'll probably think that that's his favorite after he's done listening. I don't know. I mean, it's it's hard. I I honestly I hate listening to myself talk. I hate my voice. But I think that's a lot of people out there. You know, almost Almost one full year. It's almost been a year. We're coming up on the one year anniversary here in the next couple weeks. Every friday every friday that's uh and you know why why you know why why because of our fans and because the people that send us messages and give us a call and leave us a voicemail that's why we do it that's why we do it we we usually get a couple every week and new of new people like just found the podcast loving it like like listening to all the episodes i had one message a couple weeks ago that that some random guy just found us and then listened to like 30 episodes in like two days he said I was like, is wow. there even enough hours in the day to do that? But it's a good way to kind of get your download on what's happened in the past year and know a little bit more about the riders. So why not? Absolutely. And sometimes, you know, even the history of our sport, you know, and, and learning more about these riders is what it's all about. I know nobody called in with the topic of the week. No. So first time nobody I, called in. It everybody was, must have been preparing it, for Turkey Day. It was... What's your favorite non-national event? Is that what is that what our question was? I think it was. My uh, I only have one, so it's easy for me. It's Savannah. What is your favorite non-national? Do you have one? It's hard for me because I do so many. Um, I think the the Robert Fritchie Classic on the Fourth of July is pretty damn cool, just because it's been going on for ninety six years. It's a really old school track, old school fairgrounds. I love that event. 
you know, but I don't I don't want to just pick one. So I also like the, you know, the Flat Out Friday up there at the Mama Tried show up in Milwaukee. That thing's cool. Um, for me, getting the call from Harley Davidson to come do an event, that was pretty cool. Yeah. There's other events too. I love doing the Steve Nace races. I mean, some of them are better than others, obviously. Doing the amateur nationals that we've talked about the last couple of weeks with some of these guys that are just moving into the pro class. You do so many races and there are so many racers that go to those. That's a fun week and you learn so much about these riders and and get to see them develop on different tracks and you find out who the fast guys are pretty quick. Well, I was going to say, you're probably seeing the stars of tomorrow too, so that, there's something pretty cool and special about that. You're seeing the guys you're going to be announcing for the, you know, the next five, ten years. Exactly, and it gives me a little bit more stuff to talk about when they do turn pro. So arena cross this weekend for you? Yeah, arena cross in Albany, New York tomorrow yeah. night. Then uh, a couple weeks off, and then I'm going to Ocala for the uh, Gary McNary Memorial Race. Nice. Yeah. Well, uh, well, maybe we try to do something special down there in December when you come down. I might try to make it out to that. You're going to come see me? I don't know, man. It's it's in Florida. How far is Ocala from me? About a couple hours, two, three hours from Jacksonville? Hey, Carter. Hey, Scotty. I just want to say thanks to all of our fans, man, and, and thanks <laughs> for liking us and following us and Hit us up on Facebook and yeah. tell all your friends about it because we love doing this podcast. Smash that like button. You love saying smash that like button. Oh, I used to put it down in my notes every week. And yeah. I'm just like, what? You want people to like the content. Whether they realize smash it or not, it. it goes a long way. Smash it. It does. We like the likes. We should, probably wrap, we should probably wrap it up. It's not Christmas time yet. Oh, boy. Dad jokes. Who are we talking to next week? I don't know. Maybe the turkey? I got a good idea. Getting time for Christmas, so I might want to get some jewelry. So maybe we talk to Mr. Duma. Me Duma. Hey, Black Friday. Yeah. All right. We'll talk to you guys next Friday. Talk to you next Friday. And Mr. Duma.